Good day. Welcome here to Sports Stars, a very special edition of the third half. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by my partner in crime, Killian Whelan. Hi, Killian. How are you doing, Darren? I'm good form and we're going to be talking camogie in just a few moments. It's a special episode of the third half today. We're talking camogie and football. Eve Kendall will be with us later on to look back on a fantastic doubleheader of action in Crow Park on Sunday. But we'll stay with Crow Park for our camogie segment as well. Later on, we'll look at Wexford's victory against Antrim in the Littlewoods Ireland Division 2 final. We'll also have a quick talk about Kenny Gad and success for Cavan and Mayo. Cavan, a lot of people didn't see coming. But of course, we're going to start off with the Division 1 final between Galway and Cork as Galway win their sixth National League title. But Killian, we are going to be talking mainly positive in this show, but I have to, it's a big talking point. And, you know, I was at home watching the Camogie. I think you were home watching the Camogie as well. It stood out like a sore thumb, the crowd in Grow Park on Saturday. And from what I understand, there was less than 1,000 people in Grow Park. Yeah, that doesn't, um, it, did, it didn't look well, Darren, in, in lots of ways. And I understand, obviously, that the camera is on the Cusick stand side to, you know, obviously that the, the Hogan was the, the only stand that was going to be open. So, you know, you're trying to utilize the crowd. But um, when you have that small a number, it, it, it really does uh, stand out. And I think, God, nearly at one stage, Darren, you nearly think there was more people on the pitch and on the sideline than there was up in the stands. Um, yeah, it, it, it didn't look great at all. Now, the only thing I can think of is that when you look at the two counties involved and the travel, um, you know, that would be involved. And even even if you take in Wexford and, and Antrim, um, you know, although I believe there was a healthy turnout from Antrim, all right. Um, but I just think, you know, people from Cork were, when, when it was on television, I, ca- I can't see them deciding that they're going to head off to Dublin to be up there, you know, for a match at seven o'clock on a Saturday evening. Um, now, I look, you can't fault the... Uh, Camogie Association here, I would assume it was all down to television rights and opportunity in the window that was available on, on TV. So they're going to obviously take that opportunity when they have, um, you know, sponsorship from RT and so forth. So, you know, it's um, it's just unfortunate, Darren. I, I don't know what more you can do from a Camogie point of view. Um, I do think a bit more could be done from the sponsor's point of view. Um, in that sense, I do think things have gone you know, a little bit off there in the last couple of years with the sponsor. Um, and I think that's down to the fact of a loss of a couple of people within their PR department. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that has to be looked at and revisited maybe as promo- on the promotion element of things. But I do honestly feel that if people, and we've talked about this before, Darren, if you want to back the game, you have to turn up, you know. And so look, I, I, a lot of it has to come back to the spectator as well. Um, you know, maybe take the easy option that the games run television, but, um, you know, you have to turn up and support the counties also. Yeah, look, it's very easy to come out like and, and say things like, should the game have been on at seven o'clock on a Saturday night in regards to Division 1 final? Um, talking about the geography with the counties coming to Crow Park. Like, we're, we're here every day and every second social media post that the women should get their right to play in Crow Park. And here's the opportunity given. It's also, Killian, on a weekend where there was no men's matches clashing mm. with these games. Mm. Um, like we 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 call out the Camogie Association and things here before, and at this occasion we're going to hundred percent defend them because what more can you do? You get Crow Park, you get live television coverage. You know, like at the end of the day, if television RT wants it on a Saturday evening, any or men's match will be on a Saturday evening. Mm. Maybe they'll have to look and see is is a league final worth it to be in Crow Park after this? You know, because like nine hundred and twenty 
people, they're like, I've heard talk, reports and comments that it's the worst crowd ever in a match in Crow Park for an adult game as well. But the reality is people do not go to, the, to these matches when the opportunity was there. Yet some of these people will be the same people on social media later in the year giving out that the women are not in Crow Park. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Darren. It's hard to it's hard to defend in that regard. Um, you know, we 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 have knocked the Camogie Association for some of the efforts that they made, but uh, I I I think you know you can't see anything wrong here. They're obviously going to go with getting prime time, and like Saturday evening is prime time television viewing. So for a sport, as you rightly mentioned, you know we've looked at some of the the the, the football and and uh, hurling matches this year. Obviously, have taken on any time slot between five and and uh, seven thirty. So you know it was prime time viewing in in that sense. I, it'd be interesting to see you know what the viewing figures were like. Um, T have released those yet, but uh, you know to, to see the attendance was. Uh, was rather harmless, all right. And, you know, as you rightly said, going forward, and uh, unless integration happens in, in, in crash bang wallop kind of situation, Darren, in the next 12 months, and, uh, you know, that uh, the GA will be able to uh, suffer the loss of, of, of uh, having the ground open there on Saturday evening for what came through the gates. Like it, that, that was a huge loss of uh, revenue there, and the Camogie Association, I would imagine, are going to have to, you know, bump up that a little bit to pay, obviously, for for having the access to that facility. When you think of all the people that would have been would have been there uh, working at it, so you know, I don't know what more they can do. As I said, I do think um, promotion wise, I'm not sure the the the, the matches were promoted on a, on a huge level. Um, I, I'm struggling to think of where I saw a TV advert apart from obviously RT, um, you know, of huge content anyway coming from the main sponsor. So the, the, I would have, um, I would, I would have difficulty with, with with the sponsor and how maybe they have taken away some of their promotional aspect around it. Now I do think that's been down to streamlining within that company. So I think that's part of the issue there. But um. Yeah, I look at it, it comes back on the public here now, Darren, uh, in lots of ways. As I keep mentioning, and we've said this loads of times before, you know, we talked about the doubleheader in Munster and everything like that last week and, and, and those games that are going to happen over the summer. It's now about putting bums on seats. You know, people have to turn up when they're, when they're put in these locations. I think you have to turn up and, and, and show the support. The excuse can't be, I sure look, it's on the telly, we won't bother. No, it was a national final at the end of the day, and an opportunity for four four counties there to be involved too. But uh, we will we'll just go through the couple. We weren't planning to do news in the show, but we'll just go through a couple of things, and we'll go back and we we'll talk about the actual uh, <laughs> matches that took place as well. But I mean, like, look, the All Ireland finals in August or September, whatever they're on, they're they're set in stone. They're going to take place. You know, always a fear about the club finals holding their spot in Crow Park as well because numbers been low. But like even. And like we two double headers, like I was in Kenny Gatton Sunday for the double header, and you know it was the perfect venue for the crowd that was there. It was a great atmosphere and a wonderful day. We'll, we'll touch on it before we finish up the camogie part of the show. But if you're a casual viewer, and you might enjoy the the games, and there were two good games of camogie, but if you're a casual viewer and something like that catches your eye, mm. it's very hard to get tuned into the product, mm. and maybe. Unless the double headers with the hurling finals come back, which seem to be very successful in recent years, um, maybe we have to look and say, right, is it worth having our league finals in Crow Park if it's going to look like an empty stadium? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd have to agree with you, and I, I don't think, 
I know, you know, you'd imagine Matthew Toomey mentioned at the end of the game that what did he have? Um, Ten debutants, seven, seven had never played in Crow Park before. Um, you know, he was quite happy, obviously, that those girls got that experience and being able to go into Crow Park and experience, obviously, going, you know, the, the whole razzmatazz around that, that if they're back in an All-Ireland final situation, that that scenario might not impact them. I don't think Colin Murray minds being in Crow Park at any point, but still and all, I, I just wonder, like, what what it what it does for the players. I know they were used to playing there, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of years ago. And now, as it turns out, Darren, with the whole COVID, when we were not allowing crowds in at matches and stuff like that. But, you know, to me, it just, um, it was bizarre the other night. Like, you know, I think I heard at one stage, you could hear Sarah Healy, um, yep. you know, shouting across the field, you know. So, like, um, that, 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 as I said, was something we experienced when there was no crowds in, but like there was still a bit of a crowd and you could still hear that. So, look, I, 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 I just don't know what has to happen, Darren. Um, you know, if, as you said, if you're a casual viewer um, watching in, you'd be kind of going, Jesus, sure, like, you know, why, why should I stay watching this or why should I buy into this product? As you rightly mentioned, if the people that are in the product, don't even want to support it. So, you know, there has to be a change of mindset there in lots of ways. But look, Darren, we've seen that as we've gone to the venues, the streaming, and, you know, you're struggling to get big crowds at, at, at matches in, in you know, I would call hurling stronghold areas of, of the Corks, the Kilkenny's, the Galway's, and, and so forth. So, you know, I again, the, 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 it has to go back to the, the Camogie followers and uh, their families and extended people and whatever that are in their own supporting them. There have to be, there has to be a push to get out and support. And look, as you rightly said, there maybe you know it'll be interesting to see now what kind of a shot in the arm the Munster Camogie Championship might get, you know, following wise and whatever. And maybe that might be able to be activated then into the All Ireland series a little bit more going forward. I don't know. Um, but if there was an opportunity, I think next year to maybe look at doubling up the Division One final uh, in hurling and Camogie, I think that probably should be should be utilised in some way. I I think there's a chance, Darren, to maybe have a a festival we talked about it again, but I thought there was a perfect opportunity there this weekend. Like, you know, the, yeah, the division one and two Camogie finals, obviously in the ladies football finals over, over the weekend, you know, and no men's action on nothing really to distract uh, other than maybe the masters golf or something like that. But, you know, it, the, the Camogie ladies football should have been getting obviously a lot of talk and f- traction and everything like that. To me, I, I I struggle to see a lot of traction for the camogie, and uh, maybe that then impacted ultimately on on the crowd that turns up. Yeah, it's sad because well, people talk about the time as well, and I'll move on from this. Like there was more people at the final on the Sunday night or half seven last year when restrictions were still in place. And the reality is, and, and we're putting this out here now for the people that want to see, like these women, these players, these players. They deserve to play in Crow Park. And as you mentioned there about Matthew Toomey and Ted Debbins, they deserve to play in Crow Park. But let's call a spade a spade here now. There's no sugarcoating here in sports stats. You know, business is business. If you're not putting the numbers into Crow Park, you're not going to be in Crow Park for the big days. And that's the fear I have coming out of this experience. It shouldn't matter if it's a Saturday evening. You know, I mean, you have to use the excuses. The football was on the Sunday and this was on the Saturday. The reality is the opportunity was there to see four great teams play Camogie and Crow Park and people did not show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, I, 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 you know, for the habit of repeating myself, there has to be a certain amount of responsibility goes back on, on, on the people in those particular areas. And, um, and I, I don't know whether, Darren, you could obviously look at maybe utilising the opportunity in targeting 
some of the young people, you know, like I think did the LGFA have a number of different goal games on yesterday, um, you know, at half time in the matches, you know, the, the encouraging maybe of bringing young girls from the various clubs and boys for that matter, you know, and it was great to see in both uh, scenarios down over the weekend, there was a, there was a good spattering of young men around the, the, at the matches as well, which I think is all important going forward. I've made this case going forward. It's not for uh, justification or anything. And there was a few of the Kabogi too, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's not for justification of women playing sport. I'm talking about, I think it's important that our young, young boys, young men are out uh, supporting women as well and, and, and recognizing the talent that they, that they have. Um, and so, like, I just wonder, should there be packages made available in some way? I don't know that they you know, be able to bring your under sixes or under eights from the various clubs. And, and, and even if, you know, get them in the door to make a noise, it's something that the LGFA tapped into, Darren, I think, I suppose, about... God, it could be 15 years ago now at this stage. And I know people used to be giving out that it was like listening to the, what was it, the Vuvuzelas or whatever they were called, like, you know, the, the sound on the day of the All-Ireland final. But you got bums on seats and you got them into the product. And now those people 15 years ago who were blowing those, you know, uh, instruments in Crow Park. Are, flags. Are, absolutely. Are now playing probably on the on the pitch in Crow Park or are still going to those matches. So, you know, I, I, I think maybe there has to be a whole promotional side of things looked at. But I, I do think there's still a certain amount of responsibility on the public. But maybe it just needs to be in the mind's eye that a little bit more um, in preparation for big games, Darren. So that then falls back to a promotional side of things. That falls back then into the communications promotion site in Crow Park and it also falls back then on the uh, mainline sponsor. It certainly does as well and at the end of the day while on paper you can say things about Crow Park and, and double headers and all that it did stand out like a sore thumb. Mm. However, the one thing there was two good games that Komogi took place and we're going to look at the Division 1 final here first. Um, I suppose my overall assessment of this killing before we go through the nuts and links uh, the first half felt like a challenge match the second half certainly came to life. Yeah, and uh, great credit to Amy O'Connor. She kind of, um, you know, was an, an expertly worked move and, and what a pass from Katrina Mackey to be able to set her up to knock it in. And all of a sudden, game on. I was going, I, I think I text you and said exactly what we needed, you know, mm-hmm. to get this game uh, going. It was a glorified challenge match. They were nearly afraid to, I don't know, it was nearly like, oh God, we could be meeting here again in a few years, a few, a few months time rather, and uh, they didn't want to give anything away. It was literally just, here. you have the ball, we have the ball, you give the ball back, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was really like, um, what was it? Holland and, and, and Ireland in, in Italian 90, I think it was, you know, at one stage, you know, that's how, that's how it was nearly getting. I thought, um, I thought there was going to be a situation where uh, John Dermody was going to be calling everyone in and saying here, uh, let, come on, let's, let's get your act together here. But look, it, 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 um, it definitely turned out to be one of the best games again of the year um, so far anyway, and definitely one of the, one of the better league finals, uh, ultimately, um, you know, like, once once O'Connor's goal went in, that it just seemed to wake up Galway that little bit. And uh, you know, it's a I I would have one little worry, Darren, going forward. And I know Colin Murray alluded to that, you know, they, they they fought back, they showed great resilience down in Callan last year. Obviously, the All Ireland final, they had to do it against Tipperary. Now they've done it against Cork in the league final. If I was Colin Murray, I'd be a little bit worried that maybe Galway have to find themselves in a situation where they're a few points down before they start to, you know, ignite. 
And, you know, if that becomes a habit, it can be hard to get out of. And that someday then they're going to get caught that they won't be able to, 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 to fight back. But that's maybe finding one negative of Galway. Again, it just goes to show you, though, the strength and depth, the resilience of the team. And I'm going to say something here as well. And I mentioned this to Robbie Lane after the All-Ireland final last year. I think he has to get a huge amount of credit for the, 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 the physical nature and the, and the specimen of, of fitness that this Galway team are at the moment. He definitely has them uh, firing on all cylinders. I know they, they, they're a group that have picked up injury here and there, but, um, you know, they, they, they really are, um, you know, at, at all levels, just firing on all cylinders. And and once I said, once the ignition went into place there after Amy O'Connor's goal, there was only going to be one winner. Before we talk about that side of the Galway, let's focus on the second half. First, like Amy O'Connor, like it was a well-worked move as well for three players. She put the ball into the back of the net. She was due a goal against Galway. She's never seemed to get the breaks the last couple of years as well. And Cork had led 10 points to seven at half time. And Amy O'Connor puts the ball in the back of the net. And all of a sudden, Cork, they're working on this new game plan. They were tactical as well, the way they were setting themselves up. And that's what you'd expect this time of the year. They put themselves in this position before, as you said, Galway had to really fight their way back into this game yeah and like I was I was impressed by Cork um, how things were going you know like uh, Laura Tracy how much of uh, the ball did she touch in the first half you know the she was sweeping over left and right um, seriously impressed by that half back line I, I, you know I think we're going to have to keep an eye on them anyway going forward Saoirse McCarthy what, what a player she's become for, for Cork you know and to come up with three points in, in, in the game in total um, but they, they looked like they had battened down the hatches there uh, Galway were struggling I think to be able to get a foothold in the game you know, they were asking an awful lot of um, uh, questions of Ony Keane, Rebecca Henley. Um, you had obviously Neve Hanafi motoring around there. You had Ailish O'Reilly dropping deep on occasion. And then you throw in the McGraths and Aoife Donoghue. Some people might say, you know, that Aoife Donoghue didn't uh, impose herself uh, a whole lot on that game in the first half. I wouldn't necessarily agree. I think she was, you know, or, or the catalyst of an awful lot of what was going on for Galway at, at that point. She probably just wasn't um, being allowed to get as far forward as you normally would be. But she definitely was one that was taking the, 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 the charge to uh, Cork in that first half albeit as you said at a kind of a challenge game level but um, I was seriously impressed with the way the Cork half back line were, were, were going but again it was something you know yourself and myself had a, had a little kind of talk about was that you know this Cork situation they, they seem to be on a game plan alright there's no question about it but the worry seems to be that have they got the legs to be able to keep fulfilling the plan, let's say. And I think that's been something Matthew Toomey and Davy Fitzgerald and others are going to have to go away and have a look at in preparation for the All-Ireland Championship because I still think Cork are going to be, you know, the ones that are going to, if they're, if it's going to be anyone, they're the ones that are going to take down Galway if, if, if anyone's going to do it. They, though, will have to be looking at things that, geez, we, we, we've got to be sticking into games that we're not going out of them after 50 minutes. And, you know, I just felt that, and you rightly pointed out as well, that um, Cork ran out of legs a little bit. Yeah, and like I suppose it has to be taken into account as well. Like, you know, they are still missing a few players to come mm. back into the setup. And what stood out here in regards to the new look Galway, exactly the work that Robbie Lane and Colin Murray and the people in the back have done with this team and, of course, the talent that these players have as well. Like, it wasn't just the two key players that we'll talk about in a minute that got the goals. It's the options. Every name that showed up in the Galway bench to come on was kind of going, that's a good player, that's a good player. And like when Carrie Dolan and Catherine Fennerty came on in the 38 minutes, none of us expected the impact they were going to have in this game. 
but it shows that other players, it wasn't happening for them, whether they picked up injuries, whether they just weren't winning their individual battles, whatever the case may be. Galway had options to come on. Like Carrie Dolan, can we see her on the bench and come to the championship? Unlikely. Catherine Fennerty, I think it's her 10th goal in her Galway career, put herself back into, into a team there, a wonderful goal as well. But those two players in particular, plus the rest, had a massive bearing in the final 20 minutes of this match. Oh yeah, no no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I think... You know, Neve Kilkenny was quite gracious enough to be able to say that it was the bench that won them the game. You know that uh, maybe that alludes to the fact that uh, she felt that maybe they weren't. You know, the fifteen that started weren't firing on all cylinders. But you know, if you were to tell me that Galway were to win this game, and you know the McGraths were only to score one point between the two of them that was on the it was on the field. Now I know obviously Siobhan went off and it looks like it's a, it's an injury that we're hoping is not going to have a huge impact on, on uh, her ability to be able to play in the championship. But, you know, like you would have been thinking, God, Cork are right in this. So that'll show you then that the off the off the bench, the the, the sport that came. But Darren, I'm just looking at the list of the subs here for for Galway. You know, like that is some backup. You know, you're you're talking about a an, an all star cornerback is is on the bench. You have Tara Kenny, Maria Cooney of the Sarsfields Club, obviously Sarah Spellman as well that have won an All Ireland Club title uh, just recently. You know, Carrie Dolan and Kira Murphy, they, they, no no mean fatal in them either, and obviously Catherine infinity and you have young players coming through and Sabine uh, Sabina Rabbit and Neve McPeak as well and Siobhan Gardner sure we know what she can do also so like you know it, it was an, a scenario there where he has an embarrassment of riches now where whereas maybe Carl Murray I would have put it 18 months ago Darren might have been just flittering along there with I would say one to maybe 18 19 I think now it's gone. It's you know it's gone a little bit higher than that. And um, you know if you're Cork and you're looking around, you're going, oh my God, look who's just after coming on, Carrie Dolan. And mm-hmm. Carrie Dolan scores one four between there and the end of what was it? The bench I think accounted for two five in the in the last well, twenty minutes of the game. After Carrie you know? Dolan and Catherine Fennerty came on, yeah, the other seven scores to go. We got in the skin. They outscored Cork by two five to three points. I think it was, and all two five came from substitutes. Mm. Carrie Dolan and Catherine Fennerty doing the, the bulk of it Sabina Rabbit got a score at the end as well but you make a point there and of course I obviously know the goal we set up going in and over the years we've always had a good 15 but you kind of wonder would Goalie mm. managers use the bench in fairness to Carl Murray which got, and he probably didn't use it as much as he could have in 2020 but he's built a panel there's been good work done at underage now and I'd give a shout out to the likes of Jerry Dolan who'd be Carrie Dolan's father work he did before and of course the current establishment now and bringing these players through uh, and now Goey reaping the benefits of it, but Carl has made sure that these players are up there competing. And as he's always said, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough, and he'll give you a chance. Yeah, well, you look at it last year. Dervla Higgins has been knocking around, let's say, for one example. She's been there, thereabouts at the Galway panel for what, the last five to six years? Got in there last year and, you know, firmly put her put her hand on the jersey. And now, you know, it has, you it's know, keeping Tara Kenny out of the team. Keeping Tara Kenny out of the team. She, Heather Cooney, obviously, she was the one that maybe she was looking to come in and fill in for last year with Heather's injury. And I, I, I'm hoping we get an opportunity to see Heather uh, this year and being able to bounce back from, from that injury. But, you know, he's Rachel Hannafy in there now. He's obviously got a huge amount of game time uh, this year. Emma Hellebert has been trusted now as the centre back. So she's obviously grown in an awful lot of confidence and being able to hold down that position and you know you see then Anya Keane all of a sudden and no disrespect to Anya but she's been kind of quietly placed in there and it's like 
she's been there all along. You know, now I, I know she was replaced by Carrie Dolan, but she's a good young player that, you know, the experience there of last Saturday night exactly won't do her any harm. That Darren, if you were to, let's say, for example, if Anya, I, I'm not saying it won't happen, but let's say Anya doesn't start in somewhere in the All-Ireland series, that she still has had the experience of a big day in Crow Park in preparation for a league final, played her part, and if Cahill Murray turns around to her and says, with 15 minutes to go in an All-Ireland final, Anya, we need you now to you know, pull something from the boots. Well, you know, she's had the experience. She's been out there. Crow Park shouldn't hold anything uh, uh, towards her, let's say, and she should be able to go and deliver. And that, like, I just think some of the players that he's been able to just quietly enough darn place in positions to be able to give them time has been obviously huge. And like Carrie Dolan, there is no question about it, Darren, she came off that bench and by God, she was going, I'm going to show you. And there is no question about it. She has that steeliness in her that, you know, she didn't lick it off the road anyway, but like <laughs> there's a steeliness in her there and you could nearly see she was giving Murray the eyes as she was coming on the pitch. Like, and you just knew first you opportunity. Talked afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But like, um, you know, first opportunity she was going to get, there was going to be, there was going to be, you know, I think she was going to, I'm going to show you Cahill Murray and, uh, you know, and that's, I'm sure that Cahill Murray quite happy. Yeah, that's what I want to see. And, you know, Carrie Dolan has obviously put her hand on the jersey now for a starting place and uh, that'll be all important for the the, the first round of the championship. But um, there's going to, he's going to have a situation now, Darren, where there's any one of 22 players probably who will be looking for 15 jerseys. It's a very few players in the 15 that are guaranteed their jersey. Mm. That's exactly where he wants to be. Let's talk about the two Galway goals. Of course, we mentioned Amy O'Connor as well. One ten to 7 with Galway's response. Orla McGrath, Ailish O'Reilly with a free. Carrie Dolan after coming on, bringing it back to a three-point ball game. Like Catherine Finnerty, like there's two ways of looking at this goal. Catherine Finnerty, the instincts to make that turn and run mm. into the open space mm-hmm. and put the ball into the back of the net. A fantastic goal. Another player that's putting her hand up and saying, listen, I want to get back my jersey. But what would the Cork defence have? Because the, nobody was looking at the play. They were just looking at individual players. And next thing, they created a line there and opened it up for Catherine Finnerty. Well, I, I have to say Catherine Finnerty gets a huge amount of applauded here, Darren, because she made the little drop of the shoulder to the right and into the gap and all of a sudden one and one bang back of the net. I will say, though, Aoife Donoghue's run, if you look at that again, across the 13-metre line she goes... And the Cork defenders are drawn to her. So her immediate marker goes with her. And also then the defender, rather than watching maybe Finnerty, decides that who's going to get this ball. And the two go, Finnerty sees the gap straight through it. Lovely drop of the shoulder. And it's a one-on-one situation. But you'd have to credit Aoife Donoghue with the run. Now, catcher Finnerty could easily have popped that pass and Aoife Donoghue was in, in the situation. But, you know, saw it maybe... You know, you probably would have to talk to Catherine in that kind of scenario when you're probably that close in. If you see the gap, I'm sure, you know, you're going to go for it. And uh, fair play to her. She took the opportunity. As you said, she's got 10 goals in a Galway jersey. That That is a serious tally, Darren. There's no question about it. Uh, for somebody who wouldn't always maybe be, be guaranteed a start for a Galway team, but she definitely, again, is somebody that's had big parts of play and some big Galway wins over the last few years as well. So, you know, that was a serious, serious goal. Good bit of, um, how would I put it, just ingenuity on her part, but credit Aoife Donoghue for the run that she made as well to take the two Cork defenders. But you really would want to wonder what the Cork defence was at, yeah. Yeah, they just seem to be like they're probably focusing their game plan too. And again, that's okay this time of the year while it'd be disappointed not to win the final. Saoirse McCarthy comes back, gets a score as well, makes it 111 to 110. Um, Carrie Dolan equalises 
And then Carrie Dolan's goal. Again, the Cork defence seemed to be all over the shop, which caused, and the space opened up there for a one-on-one. Ailish and Wiley, Wiley personally thought that very, very well for Galway in the game. Uh, picked, picked the spot into Carrie Dolan. Once Carrie Dolan got that ball in her hand, it was only one place it was going. But Darren, what I don't understand about the Cork defence is everything had worked so well for them in the first half. Now, talk about the pace all you wanted the game or whatever. But all of a sudden, the pressure that Galway put on them, they just, they seem to forget the game plan. That, that to me, you know, like it just goes to show you when pressure comes on, tiredness obviously becomes a factor and the decision-making then, like you'd have to question, we didn't see a whole lot of um, influence of Laura Tracy or Hayes in the second half because I would imagine the pressure that was put on, like, um, you know, Saoirse was still ultimately involved. I, I, I have to say overall, she was one of the standout Cork players, I think for me over the whole game. But the Cork half back line was drawn practically out into the middle of the field. And Ailish O'Reilly, my player of the match, I have to say, no disrespect to Carry. I know Carry came on and changed the game. Ailish O'Reilly for me, and I think she's getting a nod off you as well, Darren. Oh, like, a phenomenal performance. But the little drop shot into Carrie Dolan. Oh, my God. Like, if you want to watch it, the softest of hands, Darren, popping the pass in. Now, great catch by Dolan, but it's a one-on-one situation. And you're going, there is no Cork player, apart from Libby Coppinger, who was right on the back of Carrie Dolan, but there is no support for Libby Coppinger, apart from Amy Lee and goal, within 10 yards. Like, where was the Cork defence gone? Is, is what you'd have to wonder. And Carrie Dolan then, sure, you know, she was going to go for the juggler and ball expertly put to the back of the net. No hope for Amy Lee. I don't think Libby Coppinger had much hope either, really. But uh, you'd have to question then, as, as I said, the Cork defence there. For me, for both goals, Cork defence badly found wanting. As I, I think probably following the game plan with the first one, Darren, that probably sucked them in a little bit. With the second one, they seemed to just throw the plan out the window. Yeah, and I suppose it's a fair question to ask here in Cork because we talk about game plans and all that and there are things that can be worked on. Um, but Paulie Murray hinted at this a few times last year which called about game plans going out the window and things weren't happening for Cork as well. Is this a question now coming down to these players? That, you know, they have to, to be able to manage games better. Now, look, you could say Galway were guilty of the same three or four years ago too and maybe they have to learn. But again, gaps opened up in the second half as you just said, there weren't there in the first half. Yes, Galway did up the intensity a little bit, but it's not to that degree that you throw the plan out the window. And as good as both Galway goals were, on the Cork side of things, they were stoppable. Oh, yeah. Like, and I, 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 you know, I, again, I have to say that when you look at the players that are involved for Cork, you would have to question as to what happened, Darren. Because, like, to me... Um, it just, it didn't make sense that the plan was, you know, the the, the scenario, there were obviously Ashing Thompson and Neve Kilkenny. That was a hell of a battle that was going on. I was just going to ask you that one before we finished. <laughs> right. Um, the, the, they were obviously double teaming Aoife Dunahoo they were trying to cut off as much of the space that obviously she was getting and Laura Tracy was going to sweep over left and right and that was going to cut off then any ball that was coming from uh, the Galway half back line in, uh, you know, leaving it in in front of uh, Siobhan or Orla and uh, also Ailish O'Reilly. That seemed to work well in the first half but still, you know, Galway were very much in touch there uh, at, at half time at 10, at 10 points to seven. But I, I just wonder... I, I was looking for it. I saw the stat earlier on, Darren. It's a high number of successive losses now Cork have suffered to Galway. And I'm just wondering, when Galway apply the pressure, is that coming into the mind of certain key Cork players? 
I, I, I'm trying to search here to see what the number is. There is a number of successive losses now Cork have suffered. I can think Galway. five off the top of my head. Yeah. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, like, is that becoming a factor among some of the players? Like, you know, there's a number of the players there that obviously haven't played Galway in this kind of situation or have lost, they might have lost underage games or uh, intermediate games against Galway or something like that. But I just wonder... Like it, 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 Matthew Toomey alluded to at the end of the game in his reaction that it was very similar to what happened in the All Ireland final. Now it happened further out this time than than obviously uh, you know the reaction in the in the All Ireland final. But a similar thing happened. Galway respond to the goal. A cork of no answer, and uh, you just wonder what what happened. You know, I, I I'm still I've played it over my head. I've looked at the game back a second time. I'm still trying to see what happened. You know, like obviously Dolan comes off the bench, Finnerty comes off the bench, they have a major impact in the game. But there has to be something in the structure of the game that changed the whole scenario. The Cork all of a sudden, um, you know, go away from their, their plan of whatever defensive structure that it was and they, they, they'll go from having a six-point lead um, to losing by, what was it in the end, losing by four. So some, that's a, obviously a 10-point swing in 25 minutes of, of Camogie or thereabouts, which is it's big enough, I suppose. Um, if I think the catalyst of it, Darren, is if you look at the Carrie Dolan goal, is the fact that the Cork half back line and probably one of their cornerbacks are missing in action. And, you know, they, they, they just get sucked into a battle around the middle. And in general, they worked hard throughout, but it just goes to show they just got sucked in in that particular occasion because those fullbacks did work their socks off as well to try and limit the Galway inside line, which they achieved success to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and like, that's why, I, that's why I just wonder why did Cork go away from something that was obviously working? So you know, it, it it must be obviously a credit then to um a credit then to Galway that they that they upped the ante and that they were able to change through the gears. So that maybe makes a suggestion then that maybe you know you have a situation where um you know Galway weren't firing at all cylinders in that first half. That maybe you know Cork did dictate the the situation, but uh, that you know Galway had to come out and raise their game. And you know the like when when Amy O'Connor's goal went in, I have to say it was really putting up an act defiance there uh, to this Galway team that, uh, you know, obviously Galway did quite well. Um, if I go back to my earlier point of what I said, if it's to be a negative about Galway, my worry would be if I'm Colin Murray that this has happened now in a, in a number of matches and that you don't want it becoming a habit. And Galway won't see action again until May the 21st when the championship takes place. For Cork, they have a chance to address it. They take on Waterford in a Munster Camogie semi-final. But Killian, before we leave the segment of the show, it's not going to be in Porky Keeve next week. Yeah, and that seems to have been a bit of a, an oversight there, Darren, by the looks of things, from my understanding of it anyway. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, the new Munster chairman goes in and Gerard Ryan, he offers the opportunity to the Munster Camogie board. They go uh, with it. Obviously, change the date of the, the Waterford-Cork game. But uh, I think, in, in the, obviously, in the meantime, you know, Waterford had a number of Waterford players had planned a breakaway or holiday or something like that. And, uh, you know, I just think that maybe there's no fault here in a way. I just think maybe it might've been a little bit of an oversight, maybe the excitement of getting into Parky Cueve, you know, people probably went, yeah, let's put that game in there. Let's sort that out. And then went to Waterford and went, right. Okay. We've got this opportunity. Here we are, the chance to go in and, as a double header. And then everyone goes, uh, Oh, Oh, um, well, we can't, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, it seems to have been 
I think a genuine um, oversight, Darren. I, I don't think there's probably anyone to blame, really. And, uh, you know, again, I did see one or two people post negatively, you know, about the Camogie. Here's here's another situation, um, you know, that the Camogie um, have shot themselves in the foot with. But, um, look, I don't think you can really throw it around too much, Darren. I just think there was um, a, a genuine oversight. It's an opportunity for the Cork Intermediates and the Kerry Camogie players there getting in to play their Munster Camogie final in Parky Key with that double header as well. So great opportunity for Kerry going forward. Not that we're going to go into it much now, but I mean, it, it, obviously the game was, the date was changed for the match and the Waterford players weren't available, but it's not as though it was changed last week. Like we've known about this a couple of weeks and um I'd be very concerned about everybody deserves to take a break, but it's like, are Waterford in a good place or are we just guilty of going into that trap again because they lost to Wexford? Because, you know, this is an opportunity for them to test themselves against Cork before they go into an Iron series. Yeah, I I wouldn't read too much into it, Darren, personally. I, the, the vibe I'm getting is that it just seems to be genuine. I, I I honestly think that some of them seem to be taking the opportunity. I, 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 I'm probably going to, bang the, the teacher drum here but the, I believe you know among the Galway or the Waterford panel there are a number of um, uh, teachers both at primary and secondary level and I think they just seized on the opportunity with Easter holidays to to get a break away and uh, look like anybody you know what maybe notice they probably had it booked we wouldn't from, them to hide you know they probably have it booked from January or before that and then all of a sudden to be asked to change it in, in for for a game in this kind of situation yeah look I just think it's unfortunate but I, I don't think I blame the Waterford players in any in any way and again I said I just think it's a genuine oversight on somebody but look we learn from it opportunity maybe to drive on with one or two of the other matches it's unfortunate because I do think there was a great chance there for maybe 30-40,000 to be in the ground um, at, at some point within that Camogie match but Look, it is what it is, Darren, and let's not maybe focus on it uh, driving negativity too much um, and, 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 and seize the opportunity that there still are games in the Munster Championship to be played as doubleheaders. And there is four games as well. Mm. Whenever those tweeters talked about the Camogie there, like Munster acted quickly with that Cork-Kerry match and it's a great opportunity, especially for Kerry, to be part of a big Munster, Munster Hurling Championship day as well. That's it for the first part. We have four segments in the show today. Two of them are Camogie. When we come back, we're going to look at the other game and we've one or two talking points to talk about the Division 2 final between Wexford and Antrim. And of course, we're not going to ignore Kenny Gadd on Sunday and a great day for Kevin and Mayo. I like listening sports stars because... I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. Welcome back here to the third half. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by Killian Whelan and Killian Wexford against Antrim. There are so many things we can talk about. We're not going to go through them all, but Wexford put in a good solid display, especially in the first half to build up an advantage, probably took their foot off the pedal and Antrim probably learned what they have to do if they're going to compete at senior level. Yeah, and uh, I think they showed a certain amount of naivety, Darren, uh, in that opening stages there. You know, the concession of the goals. I think if Antrim look back at them and you'd be hoping that uh, if, if I was in the Antrim management team, I'd be playing those goals over and over again uh, for the for the next while because um, they, you know some of them were very, very uh, naive. Now, I will say in one thing, you know, that Wexford move or the opening goal, I've seen Wexford try to pull off that move once or twice in the last year or two. They do it 
definitely from the throw-in. And, um, you know, you just imagine Antrim should have been aware of, of the scenario where um, Aoife Gaini then was able to get in along the end line. And what was it, after 16, 17 seconds, putting putting the opportunity to the back of the net. But I, I, I just feel then that Antrim struggled to get to the pitch of the game. And, like, you know, we, we had the next couple of minutes where there was very little activity up the other end of the field. And I don't know what, what it was. I just, whether Antrim were... You know, a little bit unnerved or something like that, or maybe you know, that's the goals a very valid point. Them a little bit because they did like they were the team coming in with the Grow Park experience, mm. and like we're going, we'll get to the yellow cards in a moment because it has to be discussed. But I mean, they did. They were making sloppy mistakes. They were like I wrote down two words here, maybe harshly careless and terrible. You know what I mean? But that's what they were. Now, in fairness, Amory Hayes put it in context afterwards when said, well, actually, this is probably the first time that Antrim have played a senior team. Mm. You know, when you think about it, over the last two years, they probably haven't played a senior team of note. Mm. And this is the first time they played one and they probably just completely struggled because maybe we built Antrim up that little bit ourselves too. But they should not have let themselves in that position, you know, to go a goal down that fast. But even after it happened, settle into the contest. And, were they hard done by one or two moments? Yes, they were, but then again, they did an awful lot of their own, cost an awful lot of their own undoing as well. Yeah, and and uh, I think if they had the, maybe the opening ten minutes back again, Darren, they would probably do things an awful lot differently. But they, you know, just take the goals for a second. That first goal goes in. Um, you know, the the. Just I I didn't think it gave them a spur, and I think it actually spooked Antrim for that little bit. And you know some of the movements, as you rightly mentioned, then just broke down. And then you have the second goal, and the second goal for me probably shouldn't have been allowed because to me, uh, in the build up to that goal, it's a very good goal by Kira O'Connor. Let's not take from that, but there's a, the movement in place and. Uh, uh, Chloe Drain is just about to put in a challenge on Kira O'Connor. I'd say roughly between the 13 and 20 meter line is ahead to the hill 16. And Leah Walsh gives her a little pullback. Now, small, small little thing, but it costs a stride. And Drain then is behind the ball, you know, trying to get then to Kira O'Connor. And that's the space that O'Connor then is able to get the swing and get that away. To me, that was a free out. Okay, that's just my reading of it anyway. It should have been seen as a free out. There's the second goal. Again, Antrim didn't deal with that particularly well anyway, the way that they, um, you know, coughed, coughed it up. The third goal, you know, Chloe won't want to see it back. She got dragged into the middle and the ball was played over her head and it's well taken by, by Leah Walsh, okay? So three goals down, you know, it was 3-1 to one point at one stage and Antrim had barely felt the weight of the ball real, realistically at the other end of the field. I know Roshi McCormack got on a couple of balls on, on, on occasion. Um, did it, You know, unfortunately for Roshi in the, at that opening quarter, they didn't really get flowing for Anya McGill, probably struggled to get one or two, uh, obviously up opportunities as well. Quiva Wright was in there, uh, Siobhan McKillop also, but they just didn't come to anything uh, for them. And then the sending off. Now, I have big issues with this, Darren, because Antrim picked up three yellow cards in the first, was it 10 minutes of that game? And to me, none of them would have been yellow cards. Okay? Um, I think Chloe Drain was very, very I just, I would disagree with you with Anya McGill. Okay. That was a clear, that was a clear yellow card. Mm, well, okay, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you, I'm gonna throw you, I'm gonna throw you a situation there, right? It looks worse than it actually was. I watched it back, and if you watch the Wexford player, I can't remember which one the week was it, uh, wing half back was it Emma Walsh was it that was fouled? She actually stops. She's waiting for the contact, 
Okay, so look, but that's I, what I, you have to learn if you're going to play senior. Come on, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're dead right. Okay, so maybe we'll give Aaron Hogg that one, right? I'll give you that one, right? That that you, you, you're looking at that in live action, you're probably going, right, that's a crash into the back, stupid foul to give away, right? Right, fair enough, okay. But the Chloe drain two yellow cards for me are are, are crazy to in, in, in some extent. Um, we're Common looking sense for would have dictated against it for simple things, first, absolutely. The first one came after an advantage being given. Now, anybody who would have watched the semi-final coverage of Wexford and Waterford, we know that Aaron Hogg will let you off, but when he punishes you, he punishes you and he loves the old cards. Mm. All right? So it was no surprise to see it coming, but Chloe Drain was very hard done by, on, on both, but especially the penalty. Like, she, did, did you, like this whole argument going on at the moment of who's a, a foul when two players collide. She's putting the shoulder in there. The mistake Chloe probably made was not stopping before, and like goalie players have learned how to do recently as well. Did you concede the penalty? Yes, you could make that argument. Was it a yellow card, the second one? Absolutely not. Whatever way you interpret the first one, it's still a harsh yellow card if given, but the second one was not a yellow card. The penalty would have done. And like it was just a horrible 20 minutes for Chloe Drain. Nothing was going right for her. It wasn't helped there. And I think Aaron Hogg could look back and say, Do you know what? I was a bit harder. Yeah. Well, I think the context you have to take here, though, Darren, is there wasn't a dirty stroke in the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a national final. And Aaron Hogg, it's his first big game. It's in Crow Park. It's on television. And I'm not going to come on here now and slay it, Aaron. But I'd imagine, you know, there's a certain amount of nerve and everything like that. But the players are in the same situation. And I do think. A little bit of coolness there. He goes into Chloe and he says, Chloe, I've marked your card now. If he, you know, you commit something like that again, it's a yellow card. That should have been the first, the first one. I still think it wasn't a yellow card offence. I still think Darren, she was very unlucky. She just about placed herself, stood her ground. But I would have, I would and the Wexford player turned straight into her. her. at the start and just say, listen, yeah. not again. Like, you know, yeah. I'd agree with completely Yeah, that one. and I, I think he would have just marked her the card. The penalty but, was definitely not a yellow card. Well, I still don't think it was a penalty either. And I'm going to argue with that with you. If you look, if you look at this in, re, in, re, in real time, I'd agree with you. And we have to look at it in real time, 100%. Now, when you look at it the other way, you can see the interpretation. But whatever, that, about, whatever about the penalty, it wasn't a yellow card. It should not have been a yellow card in any, any way you look at it. Now, Chloe Drain was very badly done by there. Are we looking for a physical game, though, Darren? I'm not sure. I, believe me, I think if Sarah Healy committed the same situation there for Galway... Cahill Murray would be spitting if she was sent off in that situation. Mm. If that was a second yellow for Sarah Healy, come on, he would be fuming with the referee. I just think in the Division One situation, that doesn't happen. I think Chloe Drain and uh, I can't remember the Wexford player, ball is, is, is uh, on the ground, two players making for it and just coming together. I, I think it was a perfect shoulder to shoulder, side to side. I don't even think it's a penalty. I don't think it's a yellow card. I think it's... Play and, on. And this is the problem as well. Like, well, they've introduced new rules to Kamoki Association to create a more physical. We've seen some great games over the last couple of years. The rule still says minimal contact. And this is where you're coming down to interpretation again. Like, we've talked numerous times in the league about contact between two players and what's a foul and what isn't a foul as well. You know, uh, referees, especially on a big occasion, and again, we're not here knocking referee and all that. I think he got this call completely wrong. I don't think he got every call completely wrong in the game. No, I think no, Antrim yeah. did, did the wrong thing. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, com- it's common sense. And that's what you're looking for here from referees, use common sense. If you think there's a foul, fair enough. But you have to ask yourself the serious question, is this worthy of a yellow card? And the answer is no. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying I don't think it should have been a penalty. I can see how it could be interpreted as a penalty when you when you look at replays, but referee doesn't get that. Mm. But he could no way could the referee be 100 percent certain that that was a penalty meriting the yellow card. 
But like minimal contact. What is minimal contact? And Scotty, that's think, what Camogie needs to look at the there's, there's two players came together there, two fit physical women. Don't see any issue with it, Darren. Two of them came together. Neither of them were hurt. Play on. Let's get on with it. Game. It's a Division Two final. It's in Crow Park. I don't think there was any malice on either the player. I don't think the Wexford player would have had any issue with it there. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, subsequently, a great save by the way by Katrina Game from the from the and penalty. Two great saves but, in the match. You know, like um. I, I just feel for Chloe Drain. It definitely had an impact on the game. There's no question about that. Um, I know Chloe obviously was battling an injury and everything, and I, I don't know how, whether she was 100% there, uh, fitness-wise or whatever, but I, I, I just think that the first card probably dictated then what happened the second time, and that, that that's the problem. But that maybe, that minimal contact probably has to be looked at in that, in that regard. I, I just find, I don't think Dermody, Kelly, Dempsey, to me, the, the referees, you know, and, and, and maybe any of the top Division One referees would have given that, personally. I don't think it would have given a yellow card to Chloe Drain, and I don't think it would have been a penalty. But that's that's just where I read it from, what, from but, the games we've seen. But, but, but just one other thing, Darren. Chloe Drain, if she stops, if she stops, right? This is the point of the two yeah. feet in the ground, that's a free out. 100% and you saw a prime <laughs> example in the Division 1 game where I can't remember the Cork player ran into Ailish Riley but again Ailish Riley had the wherewithal to stop beforehand yeah. took the challenge went to ground but won the free and we're going, we're going back to the goalie Tipperary game there um, a few weeks back as well and like this has to be looked at because like as Camogie improved over the last two years yes but then you're having so many different interpretations. You just take the two games in Crow Park on Sunday and so many times with the attacking player got the nod. Now, some of them might be so. And the only difference I could make, Gillian, from what we've seen there with the two incidents involving goalie players and what we saw in Wexford Antrim is the player did not stop. Mm. And if that's the way to beat the rule, like going back to the yellow cards, I thought both yellow cards were harsh and, harsh and Chloe Drain. I don't understand. I have no issue with the first one being given if he felt that was merited, but common sense had to prevail afterwards. Amy Boyle was certainly hard done by on her yellow card that came in 13 minutes. But Anya McGill and Roshi McCormick, their yellow cards, they were absolutely careless. Roshi McCormick charged in and he was to Sarah Hardy and Kenny. Absolutely careless. Oh, yeah, but that but was it was probably the frustrating yeah. half an hour that Antrim were having that nothing was going right for them. And they're probably just the frustration. It's the mistakes that ultimately cost them this game. Yeah, but Darren, but Darren uh, look, take... I'm not here to knock the referee. I'm just reading the, 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 the situation. So Aaron Hogg, as you, as you rightly said, got an awful lot right in this game. So let, let's maybe leave there as regards uh, to, to Aaron. Antrim were absolutely careless here. You know, defensively all over the place for those three goals, no matter what, whether the referee's involved in the situation or not. But um, they just came with a... It was nearly like... Antrim were in Crow Park for the first time. That's that, as I said. That's the uh, the vibe I got off that. Now credit them in the second half. You know, you could look at it that Wexford obviously had the job done and probably took their foot off the gas. And Antrim then, you know, probably chased the game, knowing that it was probably beyond them in in lots of ways. It would have taken, uh, I think, a, mir- a miracle proportion really, maybe to to snatch that game. I think Antrim showed a lot in the second half to show that you know. They 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 cop themselves on, let's say, and I still think they'll have, you know, the the capability, Darren, of causing an upset within the senior championship. But it's going back to what Anne Marie Hayes said, you know, Wexford, you know, as a senior team, having been up there in the senior championship last year, getting to a quarter final, you know, just playing among some of the big guns, I think, you know, they had a little bit of how would you put it, streetwiseness about them mm. that got them, you know, ultimately into that winning position that they didn't let go of. 
Let's take both managers before we leave the match. Wexford first, Kevin Tatton. Like we've heard stories coming out from Wexford, a bit of negativity building up. This was a massive victory for the team. They looked united out in the field of play from what I could see as well. And it sets them up for a good championship run as well because the win a trophy gives you a lift, but also going into championship. But they'll be targeting a semi-final. And why wouldn't they target a semi-final? You know, the first half, they did their job. They did it very, very well. Yeah, but make the argument they, they pulled up they have a game against Kilkenny coming up at the end of the month in the Leinster Championship they get a good workout in that as well Wexford on the field to play you know they, they look okay yeah and they have a, a they have a good game plan uh, Darren and it actually is very similar to maybe one that was being trained to be pulled off in the Cork situation too to get numbers behind the ball um, you know Kira O'Connor directs an awful lot of traffic there you have a who to me is Oh my God! One one of the players of the year so far, Darren. She she's just everything she's involved with is turning to gold at this moment in time. One of the foreign players across the code uh, at both club and county, and I'm really looking forward. And I hope you know, not being anywhere biased here, but if Wexford got a run, I can't wait to see more of uh, of an A Kern in that regard. Um, you know, Sarah Harding Kenny is really t- uh, uh, across that full back line. Louise the Willery as well. They've turned into a serious uh, defensive unit back there. Um, I I just think Darren to maybe see an opportunity of taking out maybe catching them one of the top four. They may need a bit more from their forward unit, and that that's that's the one thing for me. So maybe Tatton is playing to his strength at the moment, which definitely, you know, one one to one to ten, they're they're fairly solid, you know. But um, I I just think they may struggle for scores then if they come up against a Galway or they come up against a Tipperary in their defensive or in their forward unit. So because I think. They are expecting a lot of uh, of of uh, the O'Connors and the Nay Kern to drive from the middle, and um, you know I, I I did ask, I think I said here on the on the podcast last week, I I will admit I saw Antrim winning this game, but I did feel that you know the pressure, some of the pressure had to be taken off Kira O'Connor to see you know Wexford win in this game, and credit Leah Walsh and Aoife Guiney chipped in, Guiney won three, Leah Walsh won one, and you know that's that's a significant factor then to take some of the pressure off. I just think going into Championship, those players are going to have to come hard again and uh, you know keep some of the pressure off some of those other players. Certainly will as well. It'll be interesting to see how Wexford get on. Elaine Dowd's Antrim look. They'll have learned an awful lot from this. You know, some might feel hard done by things that happened in the first half, but they responded well, as you mentioned as well. And they'll know now this is the level they have to get at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they'll be cuter the first day out. Uh, the next day, you know, they won't be getting caught up in a situation with the referee. And I don't think they'll be stuck on the bus or in the dressing room, or whatever, with the, their level of uh, naivety. I, I, I just wonder... Again, you know, if Antrim, if we were to play this game, I think again t- tomorrow, Darren, I think we'd have a different result. I, I, I honestly feel that. I still, though, just one little thing I'd be worried about would be similar to Wexford, with no Maeve Kelly in the team and probably no Maeve Kelly for the championship, right? Depending on how obviously things go for on an injury front. But let's imagine, unfortunately, that she's not there. Um, I do think. Some again at the other forwards are going to have to step up and, and, and support Roshi McCormack. You know, she still chipped in with six points there over the whole game. But, you know, you might say Siobhan McKillop, but she got two and Ani McGill got two. But, 
you know, like some of the points were got when the game was ultimately yeah, game it's, was it's, over. It's, it's over. So it was only I, McCormick I, in the first half, really. Yeah. So I, I think again, similar to Wexford, I think if they're going to be, you know, and I think Wexford and Antrim, I've, I've said in both that there could be a dark horse within this championship again. Um, you never know; it could cause an upset. I still think though they're going to need some more from their forward units. We look forward to seeing that as well. And of course, the group Antrim Marin gives up an opportunity too. There was so much camogie on this weekend. And of course, it's the split show. We don't have time to go through it all. But very quickly, Killian, let's talk first about Offaly beating Limerick in the Division 1 relegation final and um, uh, Tipperary, Tipperary beating Kildare in the Division 2 relegation final. Yeah, well, I, I didn't get to see a whole lot other than the scores of these, uh, Darren. Um looking at it from an awfully point of view good for Susan Erner uh, you know the word that we would have been getting about six weeks ago is that maybe the form within camp wasn't wasn't great but things seem to have settled down there and I think it was a big thing for them uh, to, to to win that relegation battle although I did say to you here I think a couple of weeks ago that I felt that you know awfully going to Division 2 might necessarily be a bad thing for a young team but look they've survived in Division 1 I do think relegation for Limerick now is a bit of a disaster and you know things are don't seem to be right down there in Limerick and uh, again did you throw me a, a, a stat there about the amount of debutants within the twenty debutants out of thirty four, yeah. according to Jerome O'Connell on Twitter. Yeah, like that, 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 that's serious questions have to be asked. What, what is going on there? And there was struggle, I think, around the junior management and players and everything like that as well. Uh, also, you know, in in trying to secure that, and uh, a couple of administrators, I think, have left the stage also. So something is not right within Limerick Camogie, and um, you just you just wonder what how that bodes going forward. Um, look. Waterford are in Division 2, got an opportunity maybe to rebuild. They haven't got out of it there. That'll be obviously a disappointment for them. Um, they'll still fancy having a crack in the Senior Championship. So look, it's not uh, you know, impossible for Limerick to come back from, but I do think there needs to be some kind of heads got together there and a bit of a rethink done uh, in that regard. From a Kildare Tipperary point of view, I'm probably not surprised at that. It's a young Kildare team. I think maybe Division 2 was a bit of a reach for them um, this year. Uh, I don't think it'll do them any harm to be back in Division 3 to maybe just progress themselves a little bit. Um, it would have been, I think, a little bit of a disaster for Tipperary to fall to Division 3, having also gone to Premier Junior uh, level. So, look, Joe Quaid insists the championship is the target, so that's what they're working on. So I don't think you know they'll be wholly disappointed that they'll be in Division 3 next year. And finally, and look, it deserves more attention than we're going to give it now, but it's just it's a busy show this week. But I was blessed to be in Kenny Gad on Sunday for two cracking games. Mayo hit the ground running against Wicklow to be crowned Division 4 champions. But I think you could argue the story of the weekend in regards Camogie. Cavan up to Division 2, uh, ending the unbeaten run of the Wexford second team. Um, Shanice Fitzsimons with another two big goals. And what a day for the Breffney women. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is just phenomenal, Darren. Um, I there, I have a little soft spot for the Kevin Kowalki team because, you know, they, I, I got to be above in, 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 uh, oh, in Ishkeen, wasn't it? Uh, for the Nancy I remember Kowalki. watching the game. I can't remember the you video. Know, and a terrible <laughs> night, a terrible night that was. And like Aaron Galligan lifting the cup and what it meant and the shot in the arm that they got. And then obviously they got to play because of the season, the way that, Everything worked out. They got to play in the Premier Junior and sure they found themselves then uh, making the final of that, you know. And um, we talked about, you know, winning Division Four, a little bit of a 
fall off then in last year's championship but what a perfect kind of bounce again and like Darren that's significant you know 2019 their first adult team in a number of years they'll go on and win the Nancy Murray to compete in the Premier Junior final to come out then and win the division the four league title um, championship bit of right off with the win the division three the following year like successive promotions for a team that only back as an adult inter-county team since 2019 that goes to show you um, when you get the heads together in a county it can be all done right there. And like, it's a significant Camogie Association. I know went in there, uh, worked with them and putting that together. And like that, you have to say hats off to everyone that got involved in Cavan there a number of years ago to rectify this and drive it on. And now they're getting the, the, the just rewards. Um, Division two, it's going to be a big step up for them, Darren. There's no question about it, but great to be able to see that some of those players are going to be able to get a chance and taking on some of the bigger counties. And well done to Kevin as well and well done to Mayo two dark horses in the Premier Junior Championship Gillian I reckon yeah can I just say about Mayo like a phenomenal effort Darren um, I feel for Wicklow I, I just think that you know uh, Mayo got the run the wind obviously in Kinnegad you were there I, I was obviously a significant factor you know um, Kevin built up a lead probably didn't think it was enough and when obviously Wexford were coming down the closing stages it was looking tight but of course Shanice Fitzsimons what a goal a sniper supreme she is uh, two cracking goals and uh, you know she's a big factor and obviously Kevin winning but what about the Delaney's what, uh, is it three sets of sisters I think uh, Darren three sets you know, of sisters like, yeah, like it, you know, all involved around the Turin and then the Bridoga club. Like they're just some uh, some crew with a name like Delaney. They must have Midlands links or Kilkenny links or something like that. So you know, they probably didn't lick it off the road either with regards to hurling ability. But ah, uh, this is brilliant. Another great story. Mayo, where they have come from. Um, you know, I think a significant factor that young Maeve Delaney was saying is that they get to play their club Camogie in the Galway leagues, and she's crediting that had been able to drive them on. Um, you know. Mayo again, yeah, could be a little bit of a dark horse in the Premier Junior, and uh, like we could have a series, few stories, Darren, over the summer months. Like it's something really, really fo- uh, to, to look forward to, and uh, great to see that when we talk negatively about things, the way things are happening within Camogie on occasion, that there's you know there's uh, someone holding a candle out there in certain counties, and uh, it's all boding well. Wicklow as well, just give them a shout, Darren. You know, great credit to them. Things are going in the right direction down there. It's unfortunate that they lost out the way they did, but I think credit to them in their second and half. They stepped up in the second half. They yep. stepped up, yeah. And uh, you know, again, I think let's keep them together there. You know, they were struggling for players up to I think a year and a half ago. Now look at them winning club titles, winning schools titles, winning you know underage titles, and uh, challenging in their first ever uh, league final. So look, great credit to Wicklow. Everything's been done right there, and I'm sure we'll see a bounce back from this. But well done to Mayo and Cavan. Uh, two good wins in Kinnegad. That's great to have those stories as well. And of course, as Killian just touched on there, we might talk on the bad and the different indifferent every now and again. We always get the good in too. That's Killian done for the show. Killian, thanks for, for joining us. We're giving Killian a week off next week. Well, he'll be back <laughs> in with Sports Stars Camogie in a couple of weeks' time. But coming up after this break, uh, Neve Kendall is with us and we're going to talk football. I like listening to Sports Stars because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. So welcome back here to the third half. Of course, as mentioned, Killian is now gone. We're talking football for the rest of the show and delighted to be joined by my other partner in crime, Neve Kendon. Hi, Neve. Hi, Darren. How are you? I'm fantastic. And Neve, a great day in Crow Park yesterday. And the general consensus from people I've spoken to, a very positive day out, two good games of football, uh, two very interesting results and a great way to finish off the Football League. Yeah, very much so, Darren. Uh, as you said, two two 
good games, two games of football that really left us guessing until the very end. And that's always for, especially for a neutral, it's always, um, it's always great to see that, to see that it's, a, it's you know, it leaves us wondering who's going to win at the end. Obviously for the, the teams in, or the, the counties involved, it might be, it's a bit nerve wracking for them, but uh, yeah, definitely too. And, and I suppose from our predictions, uh, we got one right and we got one wrong. So... <laughs> <laughs> And it could have, could have easily swung either way as well. We're going to start off with the Division 1 game in this segment of the show. And in the final segment of the show, we talk about Kerry and Armagh. But, of course, it's Mead and Donegal. And uh, even listening to yourself in Porrick Lodge in RTE on Sunday and uh, reading reports to him when I watched it back myself, I think the general consensus, the underdog story is over. Mead are now the top dog in the land. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, they, they proved their, their worth. Um, you know, anyone that had would have had questions of them, um, you know, certainly that tag is gone now and they've certainly proved their worth and, and you know, and 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 fully deserved a win. Um, I suppose we, we, we delve into it a wee bit more um, in, a, in a couple of minutes, but they certainly deserved a win and, they, they, you know, they, they did what they needed to do to get the results and, you know, it shows that the, they are true champions. And deservingly so, and they've done it in numerous times in this league. And I suppose I've been the one of the people kind of wondering, can they do it? Can they do it? And I'm completely bought in now as well. There is a few talking points from the game. We'll get to that, but let's just quickly, Donegal, like they'll be kicking themselves because for me, I don't think they started playing until quarter past four, and then they got themselves in winning positions. And look, it was a great goal from Nevo Sullivan, the second me goal, but they'll be looking at kind of going, this is one that got away. Yeah, definitely, Donegal will will be have. A lot of uh, soul searching over the last, the next um, couple of, of couple of days, Darren and, and their management team too. Like they really feel it's it's one that got away. Um, you know they did so much right and so much that that to, to win the match and so many things right that could have won the match. But you know mistakes and and, and wides kicked at vital stages. You know was I suppose was the order of the day for them. And you know they really will um, be kicking themselves because as you said it, it was there for the taking and it really had. In fairness, they had meat on the racks. Um, and that's you know complimented them. They had definitely had meat on the ropes at times, but just not enough to win it. And that's one thing I'd say about Donegal, and we've questioned their ability to win these games before because they learn an awful lot out of this. Like even Eamon Murray being interviewed afterwards said Mead will learn an awful lot because Mead faded out of the game for a while as well. Now they were down a player, which we'll get to, but like Donegal will learn and like Mead of the Crow Park experience that Donegal don't have. And it showed in the open stages because Donegal, like two cheap points, well, no, not two cheap points. Stacey Grimes got a great score to start there as well. But then practically give the ball away to allow Nevo Sullivan get a point. And it wasn't the first, the only time they did that in the opening quarter. There was lots of mistakes made in the Donegal side, um, you know, and I suppose looking at it, and you know, for, for 20, 21 minutes, it looked like it was going to be a very one-sided game. And I think anyone that was watching it um, or anyone even in the crowd sensed the fact that it, it looked like it was going to be very one-sided and it looked like, you know, as I said, me just looked like they just stepped up the pitch in September of 2021 and Donegal looked really nervous and really getting hard to get into the game. Yeah, there's the feeling I had, like, like I obviously I didn't see the game live because I was in duty elsewhere, so I was aware of how it transpired, but like when Kelsey Nelsby got the goal, yeah, you'd be thinking kind of where's this going? But beforehand, even there when uh, Emma Troy stormed up the field for Emma Duggan's point as well, you're kind of going, where's the Tony Gall defence? And it's the one topic we've talked about them this year is that they're working on their structure and they did improve as the game went on. But, you know, when you're, if you're playing a top team like a Mead or a Dublin or a Cork, you know, you, you they did well to get back into this, but you can't be giving away a six point head start. 
Yeah, yeah, really, it really, it really was. And I mean, as you said, like mistakes being order of the day. And I mean, that, you know, the Neva Sullivan, that could have been a goal. You tried to chip it over that point in the first half was a poor kick out from Ocean McCafferty. There was a few of them during the game, um, you know, during the course of the whole game. And actually, we'll talk about that in the second half, but actually it, the, the bug hit, hit Monica McGurk as well. And she made a few mistakes as well in the second half. But yeah, like God, you could have drove a bus up through the, the Mead um, or the Donegal defence in the first half. And, you know, me did that. And, you know, as we said, one six to two points with 24 minutes on the clock or 24 minutes played or 26 minutes played, four minutes left. It looked like it was, it was, as I said, one way traffic. And it looked like, you know, it actually looked like it, it probably, I, I think it, it, funny enough, me nearly felt like, I think, as I said, the sense of the crowd seemed to sense that it was going to be one-sided. And I think me got a little bit, I don't know if you call it complacent because they did a couple of crazy shooting then just before the, the, the penalty came. Morris Shockley took a really wild shot from far out the field. Uh, Emma Duggan kicked one with her left foot too that bounced out wide. So Mead probably got to a stage then that they were nearly felt that this was going to be maybe one-way traffic as well and made a few uncharacteristic mistakes. Before I pick up on that point, of course, we have to talk about the first goal as well. And a prime example, Vicky Wall, of all players, you don't give her the ball with oceans of space in front of her and off she goes. Lays it off to Kelly Nesbitt, fantastic goal into the back of the net, uh, adding a point afterwards to go seven in front as well. But it just showed the problems that Donegal, and this was after the water break as well, I think, that Donegal were, were struggling with before they finally got into the game. Yeah, that was it. And I mean, you know, Vicky Wall, that's that's what she can do. And I mean, you know, it's it, like, I mean, any defence is hard to, you know, it's hard to stop anyone running at them. But when you have Mickey, Vicky Wall running at you with such force and such, you know, she's, you know, she's so direct the way she runs too. And I mean, I, ironically, it's funny, um, I don't know if I picked it up as well on the, on the camera, but on the day, um, you know, she, she'd give the final pass to Kelsey Nesbitt, but she actually had two other options inside. I mean, Donegal were absolutely cut wide open. Stacey Grimes and Neva Sullivan were both on the edge of the square that, you know, it was nearly, they were nearly lining up to shoot and she just took the option of Kelsey Nesbitt. And I mean, Kelsey took a, you know, popped it into the net with her left foot and a great score. Like, but yeah, I mean, Vicky Wall was immense at times when she ran at the, at the Donegal and they really couldn't do nothing to stop her. Mead are now double champions, even in different years as well, but we'll give hope to the rest of the country is how they let Donegal back to this game. You just touched on as well that maybe they set up, but like the turning point was the penalty. Um, and the yellow card for Mary-Kate Lynch. Like, there's no arguing uh, about the foul. There's no arguing about the yellow card. But And there's going to be some talking points about yellow cards and the rule in general. But, I mean, Mary-Kate sticking the foot out like that for the trip, you know, is, is, is a yellow card enough of a sentence for that? Yeah, it's funny. There was a bit of discussion about that too, um, Darren, up there. And I suppose... Um, like I don't think there was no malice in it by any means. No, but like, it's like it's like a professional foul. Like if you, yeah, if you take a soccer you know, analogy, it was a professional foul because the player was going through on goal. Definitely so. And I mean, I think um, you know, I you know, I suppose Gary O'Mahon, McMahon, um, you know, very experienced referee at this stage, and he's probably refereed a few All Irelands now at this stage too. Um, you know, he was very quick. You obviously read the penalty, he spoke to his umpires, but he was very quick. It was just, it was going to be a yellow card. I think everyone around us, I suppose, I think, like, you're right about the, the, the you know, probably analysing the yellow card. I think since the yellow card has come in across the board, there's very few red cards being given out now. And I think, you know, I think most referees go with the bell, unless it's an absolute striking action. If there's any kind of a dirty tackle, it's nearly everyone gets a yellow card. And I think that's probably just something that maybe, as you said, it's something that needs to be looked at more by referees that if that was, if, you know, as you said, a, a foot I, by any means, it was a, she put her foot out. She she knew what she was trying to do in, in stopping um, Yvonne 
you know, we've all obviously did a bit of a, a, a shimmy of a dummy, and I suppose she her foot she left her foot out either way. As anyway, you say it, she she left her foot out. Um, but there was no question about the penalties. You said, and no question that she was going to spend some time on the on the bench, and she did for those ten minutes. Yeah, like we know Mary Kate Lynch is not a dirty player by any stretch of the imagination. But my first instinct when I saw the foot out there is like I taught myself to be more red card, like you know, I mean it's something that maybe has to be looked at in regards to fouls because just to give balance, let's go to the end of the game for a moment and Vicky Wall's yellow card at the end. Like I I I'm a big fan of Gary O'McMahon and he's not the only referee as well, but I don't like seeing our players treated like children. And when you see the three fingers up for the three ticks and Vicky Wall, like that was a crucial moment in the game. Don't he go to the goal chance afterwards? Did she commit a foul? Yes. But being did it merit a yellow card? Personally, my own opinion, no. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I, I think again the fact that he had it was funny, I like. I thought Vicky at times, like I, I seen definitely, I seen him giving her a, a, t- a tick earlier on in the game for, you know, when he, he showed her, you know, two fingers up for it, which proved that she was on her second tick. So I suppose he was going that it was a foul and, you know, she's on the three tick. And I think he did, you know, he should, he, he, um, he showed that the, the three fingers up to prove that. But I suppose there was times in the game that Vicky, you know, she probably plays on the edge a little bit. Like, so she is, you know, she, she's probably very cute in, in knowing when and where to, to commit the foul, I suppose, at times. And she knows when, you know, if they've got a lot of bodies forward, okay, I need to stop this here. Let's, you know, give a foul away and give us time to get set up again. So, yeah, I mean, there was no doubt it was a free. Um, but, you know, I suppose she, and I think she knew herself because she obviously turned to, to walk towards the line before it was even shown, the card was even shown for her. I thought myself like kind of uh, I don't actually know the answer but uh, <laughs> I thought she might have gotten it for saying something to him but no when he raised the three fingers up it was obviously the tick as well but like it is a rule in fairness consistent fouling should be punished and I'm not disputing that one bit but I can imagine the uproar if this was an All-Ireland final and Donegal had gotten a goal afterwards as well the way the game is evolving like is this the fairest way to do it to have your three ticks in a yellow card or should the LGFA be looking at modernising the rule and maybe having specific uh, punishments for specific fouls? Because again, just comparing the two incidents, like you can't compare Mary Kate Lynch's um, uh, trip to Vicky Wall's challenge at the end that they merited the same sentence. Granted, um, Vicky Wall's was for probably a third indiscretion, but is it something they should be looking at or do you reckon that's the fairest way of dealing with this? Yeah, I suppose it, it's a tough one because funny when you, you put it like that to see that, you know, you know, when you think of Mary Kate's one incident and then, you know, and Vicky's, you know, a few incidents, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's kind of, they both, both got the same punishment, I suppose. That's what you're trying to make the point of. But yeah, it's it's a tough one because, you know, I think, um, like I know referees be assessed now. And it's funny, I, I was speaking to a referee that was assessing um assessing a referee at the weekend actually and you know he was saying there's a lot of you know there, he's just there to, he's literally there to assess the referees so every, all referees have been assessed at, at that level um, and they're looking for the, the communication to have with the players and that's one of the things they look at like where you know I presumably I mean we obviously couldn't see it every time but Vicky Wall knew she was on those three ticks so I mean you know she knew sorry that she'd gotten one and she knew she'd gotten two so I suppose the player themselves know but I think it's probably about everyone else watching on that they can see what that's about. And I mean, you know, probably proper um, signals from the referees to see what each thing is for. And I think that's, that's something that uh, just from speaking to a, a guy that was assessing referees at the weekend. And um, he just said, that's something that, that they have to look at and make sure that the referees signal properly and, and given not just the players on the field, but everyone to see visibly see what they're given the freeze for. 
Yeah, and like we're not questioning Gary O. McMahon or even Jonathan Murphy in the second game either as well. It was more kind of how it's portrayed because obviously there's going to be comparisons to the men's game now as well. And just, it was a big moment at the end there, but likewise too, was a yellow card justifiable enough for the other other one as well? And things that we look at going down the line. However, Neil McLaughlin did put the ball in the back of the net. It was the turning point. And all of a sudden in the second half, Journey McLaughlin sends over a fantastic score and Dunley Gawler 1-7 to 1-6 in front. And like, they really turned this game around. Oh, they really did, Darren. And probably, you know, um, I suppose the halftime came too too soon for Donegal because they just, as we said, like 26 minutes played, you know, they have a penalty and all of a sudden they've scored, um, they've backed it up with two points and they go in at halftime just a point down. And it did really, you know, a lot of people would have felt that it, it sort of just came, it just came too quick for them because it gave, I suppose, me the opportunity to, to kind of assess what was just after happening and, and sort of, you know, prepare how they were going to play the next um, the next seven minutes without Mary-Kate Lynch and how they were going to set up. So I suppose for, for me, that it came at a proper time and for Donegal the wrong time. But in fairness to Donegal, they came out, they won the throw-in in the second half and a straight direct ball to Yvonne, Yvonne Bonner. She gets fouled, Charlie puts it over the bar and all of a sudden, um, and then I think it followed up then, um, uh, I think it's Karen Guthrie's point that puts... puts um, Donegal a point up um, with you know six seven minutes into the second half, so it really was game on. And I mean, I suppose that showed the character in the main team and and the the, the I suppose the the, the the belief to have in each other. They didn't panic and they never looked like they panicked me. Then that suppose that true true champions proved that point. And they did prove that point as well because like a point down as well, being faded faded out of the game, haven't scored in the best part of 20 minutes, give or take a few, to get back level. And for me personally, the second goal was a stroke of genius because you couldn't really fault the Donegal defence and Nevo Sullivan just hit it with the right pace, had picked her spot and the ball drops into the top corner for the second goal. Yeah, you know, that was obviously was the massive turning point, um, Darren. But it just proves, you know, the calibre of player Nevo Sullivan was because, you know, she hasn't, um, you know, she had a great final last year in, in the, the All-Ireland final, a super final. And, you know, and she could have been even a, a tip for, for player of the match. And she wouldn't have, I, like by her standards and probably from, from you know, taken from September last year, she hasn't really had a good league game, league, game, league campaign. She was taken off against, um, against Cork. She was taken off against Dublin. You know, she scored the point in the first half, but she was quiet enough by her standards. And now, in fairness, like you, like you talk about the system, and again, it, it wouldn't have shown on the TV. But Neve Sullivan was practically playing in the Hogan stand. Like that's how wide she kept the thing, and it meant that the Donegal defender, um, Amy Boyle Carr, initially, and um, or Neve Boyle, sorry, initially, had to literally play. Was practically like I mean, and not not jokingly, like she looked like she'd come in off the sideline the, the amount of time she ran. That's how wide she kept ball, kept kept her position. And, you know, she just, just before that, she, she got in for the goal. She let the ball fumble out of her hands and it went over the line for a line ball to Donegal. And you just felt, oh, geez, it's just not Neve's day today. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I seen something on Joe Dolly this morning saying about, you know, no offside in ladies football. But I mean, you know, the, the brilliant pass by Emma Troy. Like, I mean, it looked like Emma Troy was actually playing in the forwards at that stage. I don't know how she popped up there and was actually coming out, winning the ball, you know, did, I think she did one-two with Vicky Wall and the next team popped that brilliant pass to cut out the Donegal defence, cut it wide open. And as you said, a super well-taken goal. Like she was falling and still knew exactly what she was doing and popping into the into the corner of the net. And it really and really was the turning point in the match.
Yeah, we're big fans of Emma Troy, centre-back, if it allows her right up the field like that. And again, just showing the magic that she produced last year as well. Even with Neve getting that goal, Donegal got two points, got back to it in one. There was still plenty of time to save this before an excellently worked move involving Stacey Grimes and Neve O'Sullivan at the Ficky Wall getting me to that score. Yeah, that was that was a brilliant. I mean, a very vital stage in the game. Obviously, as you said, Mead's last score in the match too. And, you know, they really needed, needed it because, you know, as, in fairness to Donegal, I mean, and again, that shows, and I mean, that's, that's I suppose, is, is a positive for Donegal maybe going forward. That they didn't drop their heads again. Like, I suppose I was critical of the last week when, you know, when I was previewing the match, I said, like, sometimes Donegal, when the heads go down, you know, they can have, when they can have a bad day, the things can go really bad. And I mean, on, on every occasion, in fairness, they never dropped their heads. They kept back. They kept plugging at it and kept trying and kept, you know, not everything worked out for them, but they kept trying. And as you said, they got got back in, back within a pint of them, um, uh, back within a pint of them until Vicky's last point. And that was a brilliant score and a real um, influential score at that stage. Yeah, because not just because they got to the final, if we assess Donegal's league campaign, uh, they've improved. Look, you can't defend the first 15 minutes of a shock and then Maxi knows that if they do that again in the championship, they're going to be finishing up early like what happened in 2019. But like, out of the five games they played, you could argue they didn't play to their full potential in any of them. Yes, they always looked assured to get something, especially against Dublin where they came back and rescued the last couple of games. Um, that's what you want, I suppose, coming, t- taking out of the league. You don't want to see the champagne football. You want to see a team that will scrap for what they can. And even though they came up short in Crow Park on Sunday, there are signs in Donegal that haven't been there before that they're learning lessons, even if they're making mistakes in the process, that will stand to them later in the year. Yeah, I definitely think so, Darren, because, you know, as you said, as, as you know, it wasn't like I suppose they'll be kicking themselves with with some things that happen and some of the wise they kick. They'll be definitely disappointed with that, but they can take a lot of positives out of it. And you know, I suppose like we talked about the division three and four teams, there's not much time to lick the wounds about it. They have three weeks till they're out against Calvin in the championship, also championship. So they have to, you know, take the positives out of the weekend. You know, sort of park it, take the positives, work more on them, and you know, sort of park the defeat and and, and look forward to the Ulster championship now in, in three weeks' time. And for me, they'll go into the All-Ireland. Definitely is one of the two favourites, if not as the actual favourites themselves, but they've won the last two trophies. Before we finish up in this, uh, what do you think of Eamon Murray dropping little hints about Vicky Wall going to Australia and even his post-match interview on TG Cara, Maureen running, uh, talking about a great crew, may never have a crew like them again. You swear they're at the end of a run like Cork had there between 2005 and 2016, or is that his way of just playing it down, saying, look, we got the job done, now we're focusing on Westmead or Dublin leading into the championship. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny one. He's he's definitely, um, I think there must be, they talk about Calvin blood in him, but I think okay, he's a Calvin man, but he's definitely very cute in the sense that, you know, he's like, you know, we've talked about him and I mean, he's he's, he's clearly a brilliant manager. And as I, I've always said, you know, I think something brilliant about him is the fact like, yes, he's got the banished up bib, but he never, he always deflects um, the deflects the, the, the praise like he never takes the praise he always deflects it onto his management team and to he's his this generation Sean Boyle he really is he really is like and I mean he has a great way and I, it's funny you know I know he, he was criticised a lot about his you know very honest opinion on the on the AFLW um, um, you know and I mean that's at the end of the day he's, he's entitled to his opinion and he was he was honest and that's the way he spoke about it um, you know so there obviously there was a lot of discussion um, about Fakey you know in the last few days um, you know, prior to the match about, 
you know, rumours that she was going and, and not going and stuff. And it's funny, I saw a tweet from Vicky Wall, um, a picture from Sports um, sports File of uh, her and Eamon hugging after the game and saying, we're still friends. So I don't know, like, I mean, I suppose <laughs> it's just for point that, uh, you know, if there's whatever's going on, if Vicky's in talks to possibly go to Australia, you know, I mean, I suppose Eamon has made his feelings know about it, but he's not going to, you know, stop any girl or, or, you know, turn anyone off going if they want to go. So, um, I don't. I suppose we won't know. We'll just have to watch this space as where that's going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's what I like about Eamon Murray. He's so open and so easy to talk to as well. And that's down to work, which is, I think, the prime reason behind this Mead team success. It's coming down to the team as well. But Mead are National Football League champions for the first time ever, beating Donegal 2-8 to 1-9. And we look forward to seeing what both counties will do in the new year. We're going to take another break. It is a bumper show here in the third half this week as we join Camogie and football together. We're integrating before the rest of them do. After the break, we're going to wrap up the final quarter. We're going to look at the division two final and a massive victory for Kerry. I like listening sports says because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. So welcome back here to the third half. I'm Darren Kelly joined by Neve Kendlin and finally Neve, it's the Division 2 football final and first things first I have to say fair play Kerry. I think Kerry finally really showed up in a big day today and they got their just rewards. Yep, a hundred percent, Darren. That is, um, that is exactly it. They they finally they finally give us a performance that we know that's a, that they're capable of, and they haven't really given us over the last number of years. And I'm sure, um, the management team as well as the Kerry supporters are very happy with that. But yeah, a really good performance, and it wasn't easy for them. You know, they had a tough task ahead, um, and in particular losing Louise Nimmer in the first in the first half for 10 minutes in the sin bin. So that was going to be, like, you'd feel that was going to be an uphill battle, but in fairness, they stepped up and and um, got the job done. Did he get the job done? Even as you mentioned, Louise Nimmerhurtick, and we look at the two yellow cards of this game in the base. Uh, the first thing I looked at, five scores out of 13. I can't remember the last time Louise Nimmerhurtick scored less than half a carry total. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a long, long time. And I mean, there was a good spread of scores. And obviously we'll talk about the super sub in a second, but yeah, good spread of scores. And, you know, um, it definitely wasn't. It, it was very obvious that, you know, they, they, they all stepped up and done their part. And that was, you know, something that we felt if they did, if they could do that, they, 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 they could definitely, um, well, they, sorry, they would have to do that to win the match. And in fairness, they did. Armagh, how would we sum up this? Because we both predicted Armagh to win this game. Now, we also acknowledge Crow Park could be a factor and maybe that was the case. And they did some good things in the game. They put themselves in winning positions a couple of times. Indeed, before the Kerry goal, you'd probably still be betting on Armagh to win this match. And then they faded out in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, and they really did, Darren, fade out. Like They, they looked like they were you know, lost for, for options, really, and, and, and they couldn't seem to get... They couldn't really get to, like nearly feel like they could string passes together at all, and they, they really struggled. Um, you know, again, uh, wide's been the order of the day. Like I, I talked about, their amount of wide's kicked against Monaghan. Um, you know, obviously been the the you know had a big win in their semi final, so I suppose they weren't really really um tested in that semi final. Um, but yeah, kicked a lot of wides, and again, you know, 11, 12 wides on, on Sunday, and seven in the first half in particular. And you know, uh, you can say it bad wides as well, Darren. It really. You know, you put your house and some of them gone over and they didn't. And that that affected them too. And and two, I think four into the keeper's hands as well, which is unlike them. Yeah, and we wouldn't have expected that as well. And of course, the big open spaces of Crow Park can find those things out. Let's talk about these yellow cards uh, before we focus on the actual football side of it. Louise Nimmerhurtick, 
my feeling on it, you leave the hand out there high, high it's near a player's face, and you merely think it was, you're, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, it definitely was. It was. It, it looked, on, on first look, it, it looked really bad, as in it was. It looked very, very dangerous. Um, but I suppose, you know, again, you know, Louise is not a dirty player. There's no malice in it. But as you said, leave your hand out. Um, you know, Neve Marley got the... Got the got the, the blunt of the blow, I suppose. Um and thankfully she was okay and, and well able to continue after it. But yeah, you know, and I think I think Louise probably, you know, as much as she was seemed shocked or, or you know, obviously obviously disappointed to be Sinbin, but she, you know, she knew she knew once she left her hand out it looked bad and it was always going to be a, a can only only show one way. It was a big moment as well as Armad did get a chunk of their scores during that period. Before we actually look at the game, let's look at the other one, Neve Marley again involved. She got the yellow card I thought it was a harsh one, though, myself, Neve. Yeah, it did seem harsh. Um, you know, it was, it was. Uh, she went the hand out foul. No arguments about that, and and all that. But I mean, the hand was low, and she tried to pull it out straight away. And I thought a bit more common sense could be used in this one. Now, say, let's give the free and get home with it. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. I suppose, and we talk about this. Um, you know, the, these these yellow cards. We've spoken about them already. Like it is, it's all in the referee's interpretation. Um, again, no malice in, in the in the tackle, but I suppose it's it's these you know I suppose it's it's from the referee. You know, we we have the 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 advantage of a replay of looking at it, and I suppose the referee is only that one chance to look at it. And you know, from his angle, um, what he thought looked like it it looked bad, and you know, I suppose that's that's his decision at the end of the day. Did it look worse than it was though? Um, I I didn't think it did. It was really I didn't think it was too bad. Um, but I suppose as I said from. From his angle, I mean, from where I was, where I was, it didn't look too bad. But um, from his angle, I suppose it looked worse. Anyway, it was a good game of football. Swung a few times as well before Kerry go over the line and look from the very start. I was just impressed with Kerry. Their attitude. I've never questioned Kerry's attitude, but I mean, just the way they were conducting themselves in the big game, like you know, in an evening quarter, a point there. Ashley O'Connell not long afterwards as well. Like they they got down to the job in hand quick enough, which they didn't do twelve months ago against Mead. Yeah, they really did, and I mean, you know, they, they, it's, it, like that, it wasn't easy for them. I mean, it didn't, it didn't go all go plain sailing for them, as we, we mentioned, obviously losing Louise. But you know, they really worked hard for each other, and they were patient. Um, you know, they got their, their big names. I, I thought, like, I mean, I, I will speak about the player of the match in a minute, but I thought Kayla Cronin at full back was absolutely immense the whole game. Like, I mean, she's she single handedly set up two points for Kerry in the first half. Like, I mean, she. She was so, I mean, she was like, she was just covered so much ground. She was, you know, getting blocks in. She was, you know, turning over ball, getting a hand in where it was needed. She was putting pressure on. Like, and I mean, obviously, you know, Kerry knew that the, the marked person was to be Amy Mackin. And you could see, you know, when Amy got on the ball, you know, it just two, three players go around and they didn't foul her. Like, I mean, okay, once or twice they did, obviously. But, you know, they were very, their tackling was very, um, I suppose very patient, and you could see that they were worked had worked on it. That they were not going to give away any simple phrase, and um, did did you know they really closed the space down for Amy and and the other Armad defenders. But I thought Kayla Cronin was superb. You've seen Kerry up close and personal an awful lot over the last year and a half, especially in the league, and then we've seen them in the championship and the tough group that they had. Are they getting better? It's great to see Kerry back playing Division One football. It never feels right when Kerry aren't playing Division One, but. Are they making progress? Like, can this Kerry team start slipping in the star courses for the championship just like me did last year? Yeah, it's funny. I actually just said to my father here uh, just earlier because the TG Car were showing highlights of the game there. And I just said, like, I actually think this win in Crow Park for Kerry will do wonders for them. I actually felt, feel 
that, you know, I, I've said, you know, there's definitely they have the calibre players and we just haven't seen them that when the big day comes, the flop. But I think that win in Crow Park, you can see how much it meant to them. You can see how much it meant to the management team. I just think it, it'll bring them on. It'll really give them a positive step forward going into Crow Park, uh, or sorry, going into the Munster Championship. Um, you know, they, they played well. You know, they had to, it, it wasn't easy. They had to ground it out. Um, you know, the, the, you know, Armagh kept coming back at them. They had to do it the hard way. And they did it. And I think it'll give them a great um, sense of hope and a great um, great belief going into the Munster Championship for them. Armagh did come back at them despite all their uh, failings as well. The extra player that did take advantage to build up a nine points to six lead went to 11-7 early in the second half as well. Amy Mackin was, was no, for me there was no dispute about the score. I know the carry keeper was trying to make it out to be a wide but it looked a perfectly good score for me for Amy Mackin as well. But we talk about the failings there with Kerry but Armagh now this is a couple of times now we're looking at Armagh uh, in the game's we expect them to get the job done. Like Mead quarterfinal last year, a prime example. And again, they haven't done it. And like, we really fancy our man from what we saw this year. Are we redressing those thoughts now? Well, I suppose like, it's it's a hard one, Darren, because, you know, as we said, you know, we talked last week at the, you know, the players, the options they had. And that was something that we felt. And that's why we felt they would have had the upper hand on, on Kerry because they had so many options. Now, you know, they didn't start Carrie O'Hanlon. Um, it's funny, I spoke to a guy um, beforehand who was not too impressed that Carrie O'Hanlon wasn't starting. Now, she had been playing um, with the netball the night before. I think she only played half the match, but she came on and played, played um, obviously came on at time and, you know, was involved in a few things for Armagh. But I suppose, um, you know, I, I still don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know what's going on. You know, Fanuna McKenna didn't start, was due to start, didn't start, came on late on in the game. Um, Kelly Mallon, didn't start either like I don't know what's you know it's a strange one I don't know what's going on with them in the sense that why is their best players not starting I don't know maybe maybe we don't know what's going on in the training camp um, what's going on you know behind behind the scenes but especially a game with such importance like we've yes. often talked about whether there should be two up two down in the league but the reality is there's one and this was an opportunity for both teams to get into Division 1 football yeah definitely Darren and I mean it, it was a strange one as I said um you know, the, the, the players that didn't start and the players that we would have thought might start, um, you know, Gronje Boylan started against um, against Leash, I think, you know, she didn't even feature at all. Um, you know, I know Alex Alex Clark now, she, I saw her, she's actually, on, on, she thinks she broke her kneecap or something. So she's obviously, I see she's named in the programme, but she's not available to them. And I mean, she was another girl I was questioning why she wasn't playing, um, but she's injured, obviously. But, you know, all the players that they didn't start all, all featured like so you, you would question as to why they weren't they weren't started or what what's going on there so you know uh, until they get that sorted out um you know it's funny i also spoke to someone before the game so you're talking that did you do any work at all on sunday spent the whole time talking to people but, um <laughs> that you was know, your work you were talking to people <laughs> yeah networking um but you know um arma was very relaxed before the game i suppose it's a good thing but they were extremely relaxed and you know, maybe maybe a little bit complacent. Maybe they felt they had, you know, they had the the the, had the upper hand on, on Kerry, and you know, they had come maybe the the, the harder route, and and but have felt that they, you know, I don't know, maybe they feel that does it deserve to be in Division One more than Kerry? I don't know. Maybe that got on top of them too. But you know, in fairness, you know, they were eight six up at halftime. You know, they did a lot of things right to win the game, but. You know, wide count is too big for them, and again, that's that's an issue. Like, and that's something they're going to have to seriously look at as well. 
and they'll have to because they have the talents there as well. And like for me, if they got to a bad start and clawed the way back into the match, it wouldn't be half as bad. But again, going back to the end before we wrap up, like you know, they were still in a winning position after the carry goal. Oh, which you know what? Actually, need forgive me. Now we better talk about the player of the match because we've been getting carried away talking about some bobs. But Daniel O'Leary, deserving selection as player of the match. Our goal was just fantastic. The amount of our map players around her, like you couldn't say our were weak defensively when you compare it to maybe Johnny Gold's start against me, but they still should have let her in for the goal. But like, what an impact she had! Unbelievable, Darren. And I just, I just look at this to make sure I get it right. Uh, came on the 39th minute, and sorry, came on at the 37th minute. Sorry, 37 minutes, ball over the bar, at the 39th minute, uh, goal in the 44th minute, and another point in the 54th minute. One, two from play, um, and and effectively was the change in the game. Um, but she was unbelievable. Like, I mean, it's funny if you go back to um if you go back to the interview with Jero Shea after the Monhan semi-final, and it's funny because she came on against Monhan. Remember, I think I mentioned her in the in the mm. um review of that game. She came on against Monhan, she scored a pint and she set up a pint. And I actually mentioned her to Jero Shea that day, and I said, Why should not start? Like, I mean, your sub came on and made such an impact or something, not thinking she was gonna make this impact in Crow Park. But she's only 19 years of age. Um, you know, again, you could wonder why she's not starting. But hello, uh, Ronan Nibukula, who was doing the TG Car analysis too, or the commentary. You know, I mean, she was famously would come off the bench and, and win games for Cork as well. So maybe every team needs a, someone in your pocket like that that can then come on and change a game. But she certainly did. One, two from, you know, a 19-year-old with a really bright future. And she's so direct. Like, I mean, she scored the goal, her left foot. She scored the other two points. You know, she's not, she said herself in the interview after, she's not, uh, left footed by by uh, that's not her natural foot, shall I say? But you know the other two points with her right foot, so really class pair. And she did, she did well to create the opportunities, well and a great workout. And again, it just goes to show the overall. Um, again, I don't want to use the term agile, but this Kerry team taking responsibility, like for Daniel, so young to come off the bench, be a big um, game changer in the contest as well, being so young. But and again, it's just the fact that we're not even talking. We've only mentioned Louise and Mahertig twice in this conversation. This is encouraging for Kerry. Uh, what it all shakes off the shackles, as you said, they're leading into the championship, and maybe this Kerry team will finally leave you know, a checkered pass there a few years ago behind them and start moving forward and put Kerry football back up near the top of the tree. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and I mean, you know, I suppose we don't know what's going on in Cork at the moment, you know, obviously, um, you know, the, the Murrin Abbey girls, I'm sure, are back now. But, you know, you could just feel that that if they can keep building on that and that result. And again, I think, you know, we, we talked off air about, you know, the impact Crow Park can have on teams. And, um, you know, we mentioned the Camogie and stuff. But, I mean, that win in Crow Park is so massive for Kerry. Like, because really, you know, that team and those, you know, the county as a whole in, in this era and this generation haven't performed in Crow Park. So to, to get a performance, to get the win, you know, it it really helped them going forward. And, I mean, it gave those girls great confidence. And, you know, when you're looking at the, at their at their bench and, and, and looking at the players that came on, I mean, he used... He used five subs in the game, all five subs. Um, all five subs, I think, all in the second. There was one, one made in the first half, but all, it's actually all used, sorry, all subs used in the second half. But, you know, in fact, I think they used one in the last second of the game. But there was, um, you know, it really bodes well for Kerry. Like, he's really used his bench. And, and I mean, he's got, you know, really good, great players to come on there. We're looking forward to seeing what Kerry do in the upcoming Munster Championship. We're also looking forward to seeing what Armagh will do coming back from that because 
No doubt there's a kick in them as well. And that's it for the end of the third half, as you're all well aware now and be going up on our social media this week as well. We are moving to the Patreon paywall next week. We'll have one free show every week, but the third half will be coming back regularly on Mondays on Sports Stars, Bank Holiday Tuesdays as well. So it'll be Tuesday of next week. We look back at the week's action as well. We hope you enjoyed this bumper show. Thanks to Killian Whelan, who was with us earlier on, looking back at the Camogie Finals in Crow Park on Saturday and of course Denise as well here talking about the two games on Sunday in the National Football League final so with that being said I'm Darren Kelly this was the third half I'd like to thank my partner in crime one last time Neve Kendlin Thanks Darren <laughs>